0: Revolt Black News, presented by State Farm. This week in Revolt Black News, it's been one year since the country was declared to be under a state of emergency for COVID-19. Now we know the same. when white folks catch a cold in America, black folks get the flu. Well, when white America has been impacted by this pandemic for one year, the fact is black Americans have been annihilated for 400 years plus and counting. Now we know very well what racism looks like, but y'all folks are gonna get it sooner rather than later, how many forms hate comes in, including actually being a deadly virus. Look at the city of Milwaukee who one year prior to COVID-19 actually declared racism as a public health crisis. Y'all, we already have so much against us. But what we now know is that there are three vaccines right now that can help us get out of this. Suspicion, that's to be expected. Hesitancy, completely understood. But again, we're in this together. And the experts, many of whom are our very people, they have the data to look out for the well being of the entire culture. So listen, y'all, we have got to be ready for once and for all to put this damn virus to bed. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now it's been one year in this devastating pandemic that has taken too many lives, particularly in our community. So we're going to start things off today with a doctor who knows good and all too well exactly where we were a year ago, where we are today, and most importantly, where we are going. She's the founder and CEO of Advancing Health Equity. Welcome to the show, Dr. Uche Blackstock.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, of course. So listen, Doc, at the beginning of this pandemic, a whole lot of Black folks, including myself, shamefully... We all thought that this narrative was, you know, somehow going to exempt Black people and that COVID was for for everybody but us. And it would skip over us. And of course, uh, devastatingly, we were really, really wrong and ignorant to think that. Uh, When you look back, when should we have really been alerted and aware of how deadly this this virus was gonna be?
1: Well, I will say that um, in in February, once some of the data From China came out showing that people with diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, obesity, asthma, you know, all chronic diseases that are prevalent in our community um, were those patients were the ones that did poorly when they were infected with coronavirus. I became worried about our community and how this virus would impact our community. And soon enough, um, in March, while I was practicing here in New York City in urgent care, literally within weeks, Uh, My patient population became mostly black and brown patients um, who were in essential workers positions, service workers, and they were the ones who had COVID.
0: Wow. Unbelievable. So would you say, doctor, that early on uh, with the experts and other physicians that you were around, were they watching how this this, uh, virus was going to impact black people specifically?
1: You know, I will say that people who are in the health equity space and people who have been doing health equity and health disparity research for decades were very concerned because we knew that Hmm. all of the risk factors for doing poorly uh, with coronavirus uh, were risk factors that affected our community down from the type of jobs uh, to public transportation Hmm. to the type of housing to underlying medical problems. All of those risk factors placed Black communities at risk for doing poorly in this pandemic.
0: Yeah, disproportionately so. I mentioned in our show Open how uh, Milwaukee has declared that racism is a public health crisis, and they did that a couple years ago. I know in your work, in your organization with Advancing Health Equity, you talk about this issue a lot and you call it to the forefront. Tell me about why that's important, Doctor, and why we should all view it that way.
1: You know, what's interesting, I think for um, most of the public, uh, the pandemic brought attention to the racial health inequities that impacted disproportionately our communities. But the fact is, is that these inequities were there and very much present even before the pandemic. You know, black women have the highest maternal mortality rate, black babies, the highest infant mortality rate, um, black men, the shortest life expectancy. And these are not new issues. These are, these are uh, trends that we see because of racism. Racism harms, racism kills black people through uh through policies that let limit federal policies like housing policies um that really limit mm-hmm. where we live, how we live, um our ability to accumulate wealth, um the quality of education Hello. that we receive. We we call all of those the social determinants of health. Jobs, housing, social education, details access to health care, access to healthy foods, the environment that is created for Black people in this country is what makes us sick.
0: Mm, Social determinants of health. That is a game changer, doctor. Thank you for that. Uh, But we have to talk about your op-ed from the Washington Post last month where you talked about how Black people should actually be allowed a lower age of eligibility cutoff for the vaccine. Because as you talked about, Black people between 45 and 54 Seven times more likely to die of COVID-19 than white Americans. Um, So the cutoff, the age eligibility cutoffs should reflect that accordingly. Talk us through the data that talks about that discrepancy. And has anybody taken notice? Like, what's the movement on this? yeah
1: right so absolutely um you know it was a trend that both my my twin sister who's a physician and i noticed early on at the advisory committee on immunization practices they were essentially recommending these fixed age cutoffs so the first uh, group of people you know age over 75 and when we thought about it we said you know in a lot of in a lot of parts of the country black people don't even live that long and so we essentially are excluded um, from receiving the vaccine but not only that we are more likely to die in the pandemic. We're more likely to die at younger ages in the pandemic. Uh, we're even dying at the same rates as people, t- uh, white people 10 years older than us. And it seems like you know, the majority of states, unfortunately, are not taking um, you know, race into consideration or decreasing the cutoff uh, for black Americans, although we argued strongly that they should.
0: Is Johnson and Johnson less effective because it's one dose? Uh, is there a difference between Moderna and Pfizer? Just what is your top level, uh, advice, guidance to, to black folks in the culture that don't know which vaccine to take and are curious about Johnson and Johnson specifically having risk factors?
1: Right. So, so first I definitely want to say that, you know, as a, as a physician and as someone who has reviewed the science, I, I wholly recommend for people in our community especially to be open to taking the vaccine. I know people need the information and you should make, be able to make an informed decision. They are all great vaccines. Johnson & Johnson is not more inferior at all. The only reason that there are differences in the, the efficacies, percentages, how effective the vaccine is that you see is because the Johnson & Johnson trials occurred later on in the pandemic when it was more widespread, mm. and when the variants were, uh, were were also widespread. And so that's why the data looks mm. different, but they all are incredibly effective. And I encourage as many people as possible in our communities to get vaccinated.
0: Now, uh, President Biden has said very recently that he expects us to have some returning of a semblance of normalcy, maybe by July 4th. Uh, Dr. Fauci apparently supporting this publicly, Do you agree with that, doctor? And what does that normalcy look like? Are we still wearing masks? Are we still socially distancing? What's your take?
1: Well, I do think summer 2021 will look very different than summer 2020. It will be a better summer, no doubt, because more people will be vaccinated. And we, we know that some of the recommendations mm-hmm. that came out of the CDC recently um, said that, you know people who are vaccinated can have small gatherings with other people who are vaccinated without mm-hmm. wearing masking or having to follow preventive measures. They can even uh, socialize with people who are unvaccinated but, but low risk mm-hmm. as well uh, without wearing any mask or having to physically distance. And so I think this is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Plus being outdoors, uh, you know, we know that also right. decreases the risk for transmission. So I, d- I think that people will be able to have their July 4th, uh, uh barbecues as long as m- most people are vaccinated and, you know, and still being relatively safe.
0: Uh, any other parting, just resource opportunities or websites or things that you want to, uh, alert our viewers to, as it relates to COVID-19, how we move forward, vaccination or anything else?
1: Yeah, there are some really great resources out there. There is a, a website of my, by my colleague called Hip Hop Public Health that actually has a lot of really great videos on the vaccine and COVID, and it's a great way to get information on the, on the pandemic. Um, also, there is another organization called COVID Black that's doing um, a, um, essentially a story about Black frontline workers in the pandemic Um, Mm. in several cities across the world. And so I would also encourage people to check that out as well.
0: All right, y'all. Now ahead, we have Mm -hmm. Rochelle Ritchie. She's going to deliver this week's headlines. We've got more of Vote Black News after this. Stay with us.
2: I'm Rochelle Ritchie back on Revolt Black News, and these are this week's headlines. Atlanta police have detained 21-year-old Robert Aaron Long for killing eight people during a mass shooting spree at three spas across Atlanta. Six of the victims are Asian women. While many believe this deadly rampage was racially motivated, adding to the more than 3,800 Asian-American hate crimes over the last year, law enforcement officials say it's too soon to tell. Let's listen.
3: I think that it's important that we first acknowledge the fact uh, I know that many we've received a number of calls about is this a hate crime we are still early in this investigation Uh, so we cannot make that determination at this moment again we are very early in this investigation even though we have made an arrest uh, there's still a lot more work to be done
2: Long's parents helped coordinate their son's detainment after seeing his photo and the media, which they say prevented him from traveling to Florida to commit similar attacks. Here's Atlanta's Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms' press conference with more. The coordination of law enforcement um, was spectacular on yesterday. This was a tragic day with many victims, um, but thankfully the suspect was quickly apprehended. And as I was talking with Special Agent in Charge, Chief Hacker, as we were coming in, uh, he was sharing that he's not had better coordination uh, with the Atlanta Police Department than he has had as of late. And certainly we thank the State Patrol, uh, Cherokee County, and I believe it was Crisp County um, where the suspect was apprehended, and all of our partners and stakeholders throughout the state who assisted with the apprehension of this suspect. And family members of the sole survivor, 30-year-old Elcias Hernandez-Ortiz, report that he is in serious but stable condition. Vice President Kamala Harris spoke on the importance of standing in solidarity with the Asian American community. Let's watch.
0: I do want to say to our Asian American community that we stand with you and understand how this has frightened and shocked and outraged. Um, all people, but knowing the the increasing level of hate crime against our Asian-American brothers and sisters, we also want to speak out in um, solidarity with them and, and acknowledge that none of us should
2: ever be silent in the face of any form of hate. Now over to the controversy and sexual assault allegations that continue for New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. President Joe Biden recently weighed in in an interview on Good Morning America. Let's take a look. If the
4: investigation confirms the claims of the women. Should he resign? Yes. I think he probably end up being prosecuted, too. But you... How about right now? You have said you want the investigation to continue. You saw uh, Chuck Schumer, Senator Schumer, Senator Gillibrand, majority of the congressional delegation, don't think he can be an effective governor right now. Can he serve effectively? Well, that's a judgment for them to make about their state where they can be effective. Here's my position. It's been my position since I wrote the Violence Against Women Act. A woman should be presumed to telling the truth and should not be scapegoated and become victimized by her coming forward, number one. But there should be an investigation to determine whether what she says is true. That's what's going on now. And And you've been very clear, if the investigation confirms the claims, he's gone. That's what I think happens. And by the way, it may very well be there could be a criminal prosecution that is attached to it i just don't know but let the investigate and i'm not I, I don't know what it is but i i started with the presumption it takes a lot of courage for women to come forward some are not anyway it takes a lot of courage to come forward so the presumption is it should be taken seriously and it should be investigated and that's what's underway now
2: kenneth walker boyfriend of brianna taylor who was killed by police in 2020 has filed a federal lawsuit against the louisville metro police department one year after her murder, Walker is seeking damages for police violating his constitutional rights due to a fabricated warrant, police failing to announce they were law enforcement and excessive force, all of which, of course, Walker alleges led to his arrest for shooting an officer out of self-defense and the unjust killing of his girlfriend, Brianna Taylor, while she slept. When asked about the lawsuit, Louisville police stated they do not comment on pending litigation. In international news, South Africa's Zulu King, Goodwill Zulatini, died last week after weeks of hospitalization due to diabetes. A private burial ceremony was held earlier this morning for the Zulu nation's longest reigning monarch. And while the public viewing usually would take place, the royal family has opted out to prevent the spread of COVID-19. King Zulatini was 72 years old. And sadly, in other international news, the president of Tanzania, John Magufuli passed away yesterday, reportedly from heart complications. Now, Magufuli had been out of the public eye since February and was a vocal skeptic of COVID-19 and claimed the country was actually COVID-free while the government refused to purchase any vaccines. Opponents of the president believed he'd been sick with COVID himself, but nothing has been confirmed. Magufuli was 61 years old. And back here in the States, the IRS is pushing the usual April 15 tax deadline to May 17th to help Americans with the unusual circumstances of the pandemic. Now, of course, you may remember last year in the height of the pandemic, the tax deadline was moved all the way to July 15th and days removed from the 63rd annual Grammy Awards. People are still talking about Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B's salacious and sexy performance. In fact, a spokesperson for the Federal Communication Commission, otherwise known as the FCC, spoke out saying, quote, we can confirm that the FCC did receive consumer complaints regarding the Grammys' performance. Now, they wouldn't go into how many complaints they actually got, but they did go on to say that it was, quote, an average amount for this type of event. Here with Vote Black News, WAP or not, we congratulate all the winners who brought it for the culture. And on to some very good news. Howard University has announced a $10 million partnership with HPS Investment Partners, along with the Capnick Foundation. The gift will create the HPS Center for Financial Excellence at Howard University School of Business to help students better prepare for careers in private investment and investment banking. Now, of course, we applaud this dope collaboration. And lastly, LeBron James and his longtime business partner, Maverick Carter, have become the first Black partners in the Fenway Sports Group. The endeavor gives James and Carter an ownership stake in Roush, Fenway Racing, the Sports Network, NESN, the Liverpool Football Club, which James already owns 2% of, and of course, the Boston Red Sox. Here's LeBron on the great news.
3: I think for me and, and for my partner, Maverick, uh, to be uh, the first two uh, you know, Black men to be Uh, you know, a part of that ownership group um, in the history of that franchise, um, I think it's pretty damn cool.
2: We congratulate LeBron and Maverick on their historic achievement and all of their Black excellence. All right, that's it for this week's headlines. We're stepping away for a quick break and then Dr. Chris Purnell and Dr. Kanisha Hall break down everything you need to know about the COVID-19 vaccine and give their perspective on the anniversary of the pandemic. More Revolt Black News right after this.
5: Good evening, I'm Dr. Chris Purnell, and welcome to Revolt Black News. It's been over a year since the coronavirus pandemic has ripped across the globe and has changed life as we know it. We know that this pandemic has been disproportionately devastating in black and brown communities. I can testify of that personally. I lost my brave, beautiful, heroic father, Timothy Purnell, to this pandemic almost a year ago in April. I actually have lost two other family members and my sister is a COVID-19 long hauler. So tonight I have joining me a a colleague, a physician an author, Dr. Kanisha Hall, who's gonna help us understand exactly how did we get here? How did we get to 525,000 lives that have been lost and to answer some of the pressing questions that you may have. Dr. Hall, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Hall, how did we get here? This is not what we um, imagined how bad it would be. And at this point, we've lost more lives in this battle, this war, than we have in all major world wars, except for the Civil War.
6: We're at a point where we're experiencing death like we've never seen before, because we're in a situation that we've never experienced in our lifetimes or our parents' lifetimes. We're still learning more and more about this virus and the way that it moves and changes and how it spreads and affects our day-to-day lives. So it's a learning curve and I applaud the efforts that have been made, but we still have a lot of work to do.
5: And right now we have three vaccines that have been approved through emergency use uh, authorization, Uh, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and now the J&J vaccine. We've had over 90 million Americans who have been vaccinated, uh, receiving at least one dose. What's been reported about what we're hearing on the ground as people increasingly become vaccinated? At particular vaccination sites,
6: you see a different demographic, but still an underrepresentation of those who are mostly uh, affected by fatalities in this pandemic, and by that I mean. Black people.
5: Are these vaccines different from one another? Is one vaccine better than the other? Should people take the J and J vaccine? It's only one dose. Help us understand that, Dr. Hall.
6: Johnson and Johnson conducted a very large study, which is actually twice the size of both Moderna and Pfizer, and in very important places such as South Africa, where we know that there are more uh, dangerous variants of coronavirus. And in their clinical trials, they actually revealed that there were no uh hospitalizations or um fatalities, even for those who did contract um, those variants as well as coronavirus.
5: What do you say about people who may say, I don't trust the science, or what do you say about people, um, I don't trust the federal government, or I don't know everything that's in that? What can can you say to help alleviate or allay some of those fears?
6: Well, one, it's not my burden to um, alleviate all of the hesitancy and fears, and I'll tell you why. Nobody blames a bank when it's robbed you're a black physician, just like I'm a black physician. I was a black woman way
5: before I was a doctor.
6: Let's, let's be real. Let's have a real family conversation here.
5: Right. We woke up black and we're going to go to bed black.
6: Exactly. So I don't like to put the onus on black people when it comes to our hesitancy in trusting a system that has continually used Black bodies and black cells to further its agenda and its purpose. I'm on this platform right now. We're having this conversation because we are concerned that Black people are dying. That concern for Black lives is met with some resistance because we feel targeted at times. And sometimes my answer to these
5: questions, as it should be, Because I don't know. I tend to say we have to have science in one hand and empathy in the other hand, right? So that's how we're going to help people along their decision journey. So I can definitely appreciate what you've said, Dr. Hall. What can we do now that we're fully vaccinated? The CDC has come out with some advice and some guidelines. How did you react when you read what the guidelines were from the CDC? And How would you help others understand what they can do once they're fully vaccinated?
6: I was just... um able to catch up on the CDC recommendations as of yesterday that people who are fully vaccinated can gather indoors in small groups without mask. I am not going to say that I necessarily agree. As we both know in the clinical trials for both Moderna and Pfizer, people who received the vaccine still contracted COVID and also spread COVID. And I don't think now is the time to relax. And that's what it seems to be the recommendations are from the CDC. So I still tell my patients, I still tell my family, wear your
5: mask. President Biden has said that uh, by the the summer, we should have enough doses to fully vaccinate um, all adult Americans. And what are you going to be looking for as a physician as those signs that we can follow, that we can begin to resume some of our routine activities.
6: I am going to be looking at several things. I'm going to be looking at other countries who have maintained better control over this virus than we have, such as your New Zealand's and um, even India, a very densely populated populated area, I'm going to be looking at a continued downward trend. Like yes, they are, the numbers are going the right way, but you have to realize when you started at the top of the mountain, coming down, that slope needs to be a whole lot steeper before I feel comfortable. So now is not the time to relax and fall behind on our testing. We still need to be testing.
5: As I tell people, we should never lose our sense of vigilance, right? We have to stay ahead of the variants. We have to stay on top of the data. We have to continue to learn, continue to discover as much as we can know about how to treat the the, the virus, how to prevent the virus. So, you know, you've been very helpful tonight, Dr. Hall, um, helping people to understand the most important issues um of the day. We're looking forward to mid-May around the time that we're expected to see the majority of adult Americans fully vaccinated and to see what do the numbers look like then. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching right alongside with you and we invite everyone else to watch along with us. Any um closing or parting remarks you'd just like to leave people with? Well I
6: am I applaud the current administration for having the gumption to make such uh, high goals to reach as far as making vaccines available. I just want to see more efforts to vaccinate those minority and um, most acceptable demographics that desire to be vaccinated. I know several people that desire to get a vaccine and can't we need a better rollout plan we really 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 do to those we owe this to there have been communities that have been devastated there have been demographics that are devastated we owe it to them to get this right because we
5: we have not gotten that right i love that i love that we owe it to them to get this right What a full conversation. Thank you, Dr. Hall, for joining me tonight. You help people separate the fact from the fiction. We talked about the concerns or the fears that might be there in the community. We learned a lot about the COVID-19 vaccines, and we learned just how devastating the pandemic has been for Black and Brown lives. So we truly thank you and I thank you for joining me tonight on Revolt Black News and stay tuned for more important conversations.
7: Y'all, it's Brittany Lee Lewis here hosting this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. And joining me in the celebration is a familiar face here at RBN. She's the content queen. Welcome back to the show, Danielle Young. Thank
8: you, Brittany. I appreciate it. Great to be here.
7: All right, jumping right in. The 93rd Academy Award nominations have been announced and Viola Davis made history being nominated for the most Academy Award nominations ever. With four awards. She is also the only Black woman to be nominated two times for Best Actress. Chadwick Boseman joins a unique group of nominees, being nominated posthumously for his role in Ma Rennie's Black Bottom. Soul snagged the most nominations within its genre with three nominations. Judas and the Black Messiah scored six nominations, including Best Picture. And, of course, Revolt Chairman Diddy and Joey Badass, two distant strangers, were nominated for both live short action film. Now, all of these nominees did not erase the history of Oscar snubs, but these are all amazing and they deserve celebration. What are you most excited for, Danielle?
8: Well, first of all, obviously, Rooting for Everybody Black. Love to see that they're nominated because, you know, like you said, it doesn't erase the snubs that we often see. But someone like Viola, she deserves, she didn't get it for Doubt, but she did get it for Fences. And like now I feel like they're honestly giving nominations to the people who deserve them. Um, Although sometimes the non-black folks, I'm gonna leave that shade out. Sometimes I'll be like, that movie, I don't, but. (laughs) But it's really nice to see people like Viola, Chadwick, rest in peace, Diddy, um, and all the nominees that are just out here getting what they deserve. It's I, I'm loving it.
7: I'm loving it too. Um, Viola Davis, long, long overdue. She's been in so many movies. She's fantastic on screen. And I'm glad to see that they're giving her a flowers now. Um, you know, yeah, in more
8: movies, know where Angela Bassett could be the one to like present her with it. That would be really amazing. If we could get like a moment, cause you know, Angela, can she get her flowers and her trophies please?
7: <laughs> hello, hello. I've been saying this, there's a few folks who, um, it's really long overdue, right? Just black excellence all the way around. In more movie news, Spike Lee is the first black filmmaker to head to the Cannes Film Fester jury. The news comes after Lee was supposed to take on the role last year, but of course it was canceled due to the pandemic. Spike Lee has premiered seven of his films at Cannes, including She's Gotta Have It, his first film at the festival in 1986, which he won the Youth Award for. Seems like Spike's journey is coming full circle. Are
8: you here for it? Absolutely here for it. There is nothing like a full circle moment, especially one on a scale so grand. You don't need validation with a career like Spike's, but... It is so nice to be able to get your things whenever you are working so hard. I mean, Brittany, you remember when Beyonce made her speech at the Grammys and she talked about working since she was nine and being able to amass these accomplishments. is similar watching Spike work so long, so many decades, and not get his things. So I'm always here for Spike getting recognition and getting to be praised and adored. So yes for you, Spike.
7: Absolutely. He's done so, so much for our community. And I'm glad they're praising this man while he is still on the earth to receive his shine. Um, In terms of music, we've got a lot going on there, too. You know, Drake has made history by becoming the first artist to simultaneously debut across the top three spots of Billboard's Hot 100. Um, You know, all three spots were filled by every track off Drake's three pack EP, Scary Hours 2. So, how dope is that? Listen,
8: Drake doesn't need any more confidence,
7: <laughs> we are glad to see that he gives
8: his things to because Drake, you know, he represents a different type of rapper, and I think it's really dope to see that his style of music is so well-received and chart-topping, and shout out to Cardi as well for making his in the music industry too, because she made diamond status with her single Bodak Yellow, and that's the first time. Uh, a female rappers been able to do something like that, go diamond, so let's go.
7: And model Lena Bloom, you know, she's making history as the first transgender woman of color to grace the cover of the Sports Illustrated notable swimsuit issue um, that hit stands this July. You know, Bloom was quoted saying, I'm representing Filipina, I'm representing Black, I'm representing people who have been immigrants. For them, I'm a vessel of change. How great is that? Not only for Lena, but for representation as a whole.
8: Come on, it's like the representation infinity stones. Like she got it all. It's really de- like, cause trans women are women. And it's really amazing to see that people like where we know we see headlines where it is not great. People are killing trans women out here and it's not something that we talk about a lot. So to see on the opposite end of the spectrum, someone be championed and get to make history in such a visible way, um, I think it's really helping move the needle in these conversations and in the tolerance that people have around trans women. So Lena, you know, keep doing your thing, girl, keep lifting up and climbing, because this is the way that things slowly start changing
7: absolutely it's certainly the battle for our generation and last but not least sister Solja is putting the lit in literary her new book life after death a novel has been out for a couple of weeks and is making big waves it's the sequel to her previous book the coldest winter ever we know that sold millions of copies have you gotten a chance to read it yet i'm waiting on it it
8: is on its way honey to my door i cannot wait you know Coldest winter ever had us all up in our feelings. Winter was stressing me out. <laughs> she really upset me and my homegirl. So I'm, I'm kind of nervous to see how things have uh, will be changing in her life and how it's gonna be. But I just love seeing someone like Sister Soldier come back and bring us something so many years later and it's still like a big deal. But are we getting a movie?
7: you know what that's that's the real question um <laughs> right? And it's so tough, right because i love the books i mean this is our it's my childhood um but i think a film would be lo- you know a film is definitely necessary so i hope that I I, can that, call that comes me along Do figure something out
5: yes
7: <laughs> yes <laughs> and
8: Cervante rhodes for midnight just off the top of my head oh
7: that's a good one <laughs>
5: Your job a casting director, because girl. <laughs>
7: yes. This was so much fun. Thank you, Danielle, for helping me out with this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. And coming up next, Ebony returns for a conversation with Brandon McCairn and Silbert Mani about the future of live events. More Revolt news after this.
0: Revolt black news now one area of the culture that has gotten disproportionately impacted super hard over the past year are live events so today we brought in some very special guests to illuminate both the hardships and opportunities for the future of live events as a whole with me is brandon McCahern, entrepreneur and co-founder of the broccoli city festival and which is coming into its eighth year congratulations to them Also joining is the CEO of Damani Entertainment Group, Silbert Mani, who manages the tours for Lil Wayne, Kid Cudi, Joe Scott, and many other artists. Welcome both of y'all to the show.
3: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Now brothers, it's been obvious and really clear that with COVID-19, this global pandemic, uh, all of the social justice uprisings, it has really been a difficult year for black folks and the culture and one of the things that often gives us a reprieve are live event uh, opportunities, festivals, musics, concerts. All that shit was cut out last year. I wanna ask you both, what uh, led to the decisions ultimately to suspend the festivals and concerts in general? And really was a decision that you even got to make or was the decision made for you? I'll start with you, Brandon.
9: Man, uh, great question. Uh, for us, we, we were about to uh, cancel anyway. Uh, because of the news and what we were hearing um but definitely it was a city it, it was a city wide thing um but we definitely made the kind of made the call early, like yo, you know what it's probably best that we uh we cancel for this year um just out of people's concerns, you know what I'm saying like it, it it's it's a crazy thing when you when you plan something for so many months, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like you gotta cut that, so you have to give everybody refunds. Um it, it definitely was a was a process and a and a haul.
0: And when you cancel uh the Broccoli City Fest, Brandon, did you think, okay, we'll cancel it. Did you first think postponing it uh for later in the year or was it an automatic cancellation? We'll try this shit again next year.
9: Yeah, you're right. We did do a postponement and we thought we may be able to come back in, in October. Um and that didn't happen as well. So yeah, we did try to try to keep the, the light bubbling for as long as we
0: could. Yeah. And still, how about with you? And what were your conversations like with artists who had scheduled dates? We know, unfortunately, in the music game, artists hardly make shit off of actual recordings and, and, and music play. So a lot of their bread and butter comes from these live event uh, opportunities. So how did you guys decide around cancellations and postponements?
3: Um, for me, actually, I, my tour year had already started. I was on the road when... COVID hit and everything went down. We were about a year ago, March 11th, I was on tour with Jill Scott. We were just starting off the first leg of a four leg tour. And we were in Huntsville, Alabama at a sold out show. And I was about 10 minutes from putting her on stage. And in my office, I have the TV on sometimes, see what's going on. And I was watching Sports Center. We had that on and right then and there, the NBA shut down. And soon as that happened, I'm like, wow, okay. Walked her to stage, did an incredible show. She got off stage and I was like, hey, awesome job. We're going home tomorrow. (laughs) The world's about to shut down. So I got to get 33 people home safe and sound. Um, Three legs of that tour was shut down. I had a tour for Wayne scheduled. I had a tour for uh, Playboy Cardi scheduled. Everything went away. We We were booked all the way through. This was, like I said, from March, we were already booked through August. And... Everything was everything was shut down.
0: But speaking of Jill Scott, one of the the, the best moments of the past year was, of course, her epic versus battle, uh, Queen Jill Scott and Queen Erica Badu. Uh, I'll ask both of you. I'll start with you, uh, How did versus and the emergence of such a transformative uh, visual and uh, virtual experience? What, what did that leave for you guys to ponder about in terms of live events? Because now we know for sure. People are willing to sit and stream that experience for hours on end. Uh, so is that exciting uh, when you complement that with live events, or does that feel like that might be a
3: challenge? I think it's very exciting. I think it 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 gave us a a, a glimmer of light when we were all at home thinking like it was nothing but doom. So when when verses was created by Tim and Timbaland and and Swiss Beats, it was like wow, wait, I can. I can assimilate with something. I can feel connected back to what, what we were doing pre-COVID to, you know, to some degree. It wasn't, you know, it's not the feeling of a live event, don't get me wrong. However, it gave us all a chance to kind of exhale, you know, where we had a release, where we had something to look forward to, you know, even knowing, okay, yo, Saturday night at eight o'clock, Thursday at eight o'clock, yo, you gonna watch it? How are you gonna see it? How are you gonna listen, you know? And then also it opened up a platform, yeah, it opened up a platform for artists that we haven't listened to in a long time, music we haven't heard in a long time. Streams went through the roof for some of these artists, which was amazing. And it, it, it just created another lane. That's, that's the beauty of, of Black culture. You, you give us lemons, we're going to make lemonade. And, and that's, what, that's what came out of it to me.
0: I know my home home city right now of New York City is, is about to start opening up things very shortly. Uh, I hear in L.A. the same. So as things start to open up, I'll start with you on this, Brandon. What do you think uh, your expectations around social distancing, mask wearing, all of the norms we now have because of COVID? How do you think that shows up when we do resume live events?
9: I, I think they're still there. You know what i mean i think that we 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 still ensure that the environment is safe for folks i think we done got used to it uh i think that festival promoters and things of that nature should definitely be sending out uh somewhat of surveys to their audience i think particular audiences have different feels about it um i know that we're going to kind of do some cultural insights and ask around because it may be you know we think that it's all fine and dandy But it may be people in our crowd that's like, ah, y'all moving too soon. So we want to make sure that, you know, we kind of get everybody's input. But I do think that those things will be normal moving forward.
0: I want to ask you this. uh, We know a few months back, uh, Lupe Fiasco tweeted out that he intends to have concerts again, but he's going to expect all his fans be able to prove that they've been vaccinated. Uh, Do you think that's something that other artists will look to adopt as well? And what are your thoughts on it?
3: I'm I'm not opposed to that. Train of thought. Is it plausible at the beginning? I don't know. I think it's gonna take a minute for us to get there. At the end of the day for us, everything's about safety. So if everybody being vaccinated is the most safest way for us to get back to what we were doing or creating the new norm, then that's what it has to be. You know, We can't make anybody take a vaccination. However, we can have safety precautions put in place to make sure the, that everybody is okay. And that's the most important thing because all it takes is one bad situation of, uh, turning into a super spreader and we're back to, to stage one of this.
0: Brandon Sib, thank you guys so much for everything you're doing for the culture. And listen, we hope that we're all back at live events sooner rather than later. All right, y'all, now that's it for this week's show. But first, since we started on the vaccine tip, it only makes sense to end on a vaccine resource. So look, this is how it is. Due to cancellations and no-shows, a whole host of vaccination sites end up with unused doses at the end of the workday. And then they're forced to just throw them away, perfectly fine vials in the trash. That is unless they have somebody to call that's on a standby list that they can give those last-minute doses to. And that's where y'all come in. Now, see, regardless of your eligibility, so long as you're an adult, if you register at HIDRB.com, any nearby vaccination site can give you a call on any given day if they have those disposable doses available. So see, y'all, there is some end in sight to this pandemic. But just because we can see it doesn't mean we're quite there yet. So let's do everything we can to bridge that gap. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time.